0: If you're like me, you've probably been entrenched in the Internet of Things, IoT for short, for some time without even fully knowing what IoT is.
1: I know what it is. Oh, you do? I do. IoT is the network of physical devices, everything from the smartwatch on your wrist to the smart thermostat in your house, that is equipped with things like microchips and Wi-Fi that enable these devices to connect and exchange data.
0: Solid definition, Laura. And according to analyst firm Gartner, There will be over 20 billion IOT devices in place by 2020, and consumers will spend nearly $3 trillion on these devices. So how does IOT impact the banking world?
2: So there's tons of of applications to this, so from customer support to, to commerce.
0: I'm Andy Goldstein.
1: I'm Laura Sewell.
0: And you're listening to FinTech Focus from CSI.
1: According to an article our guest wrote for BAI Banking Strategies, tokenization is arguably the strongest defense against card-not-present fraud. And it's also a major driving force behind the commercial success and popularity of IoT. Here to educate us on tokenization and IoT is Matt Heron, CSI's Product Manager of Payment Analytics. Thanks for coming on the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. First things first, what is tokenization and why is it so important in the digital payments landscape?
2: Think of tokenization uh, like a replacement for static information. Uh, So instead of having a single piece of information that is used in a multitude of ways, uh, you assign tokens uh, to various entities who receive them. So tokenization really has a a plethora of security applications across numerous industries, not just payments. Uh, From a payments perspective, the idea would be to remove static information from the ecosystem and create a sort of walled garden around any entity that receives payment data. Uh, that way, if any one weak entity in the chain or there's one... Uh, merchant or or some aspect of the ecosystem has a problem, it won't be able to impact all the others. Uh, The information that they've received is only good at their location in a specific manner, um, ideally for just that moment in time. Uh, For things like recurring payments, uh, where information will need to be used for future purchases, uh, you can essentially bind that token to a specific merchant, uh, for a specific account, uh, making it only good for that payment on that account, uh, meaning that for monthly bills, cell phone, internet, utility, streaming services, gym memberships, etc. cetera, um, where they're going to be coming in every month uh, for payment, uh, they can keep a token on file and have that considered to be secure um, because it can only be used at that specific merchant, for, ideally for that specific account. Uh, so if that merchant was to experience a breach of some type, they're not going to be able to take that information and go to some place like Walmart.com or iTunes to commit fraud. Uh, essentially, the information becomes worthless to steal from a fraud
0: perspective. Okay, so it sounds like the ability to be able to tie that token to an account or a merchant, that seems to to me to be why tokenization is the driving force behind the ability to even have IoT. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. You know, the, the idea that that... Internet of Things is all these devices. They're they're primi- primarily low cost, produced overseas. Um, I personally have very little confidence in their security. Uh, so the old Internet of Things is a vast essentially a wild frontier uh, that has shown itself thus far to really be about tinkering and proving what is possible rather than being about traditional security. Uh, so as more and more of these device devices start to have the ability to make purchases and become mechanisms for payment, uh, it's then critical that we find a way to facilitate this change in a secure manner. Um, you know, my argument, I, frankly, it's happening either way. Whether we do it in a secure manner or not, um, you know, many estimates by 2020 have as you know somewhere between 40 and 50 billion devices will be connected to the internet. Uh, So whether we facilitate a secure ecosystem in this space or not, it's it's probably going to be done. Uh, So people are going to be sharing payment data with these devices. Uh, So then it becomes incumbent upon us to make sure that if if this is going to happen and the world is heading in this direction, uh, we need to create a. A process that that makes it to where we don't need to worry as much about individual security of each of these devices, because the information we're giving them is, is tokenized.
0: Okay, so that said, and I think we may touch on the security of IoT here in a bit, but kind of going back to the, the principles of tokenization, what are your recommendations for financial institutions who want to implement tokenization, if, if this is a, a, a better way to Prevent car not present fraud, and it, it just has a little bit more of a what seems to be like a security cushion over EMV. How can financial institutions implement this technology?
2: Well, so like any major change, uh, the, you know, this stuff is going to is going to take time. Um, okay. Many banks have been so focused on the transition to EMV, they're not really they've not really had an opportunity to kind of wrap their heads around tokenization. Um, but likewise, we're not really making it easy for them as an industry. Uh, We have this situation where Visa and MasterCard have spent tens of millions of dollars on setting up an ecosystem that they then decided to waive all costs associated with it, uh, basically giving it away for free. That should tell you something about how critical they see this to the future security of card payments. And, And if you believe that, Um, It then becomes something that you should want all financial institutions to be able to do. Uh, So from my perspective, it's incumbent upon all processors and and merchants and and everyone involved to facilitate that uh, the price of this um, is, is reasonable and no one is priced out of this space. Um, you know, today at CSI, we have 36% of our financial institutions set up with tokenization because we made it a one very low implementation fee for setting it up with the networks. Um, and we include all digital wallets available at that price. Uh, also on top of that, we actually set up the projects on behalf of our institutions. So, you know, if you've never done this before, uh, this kind of project can seem extremely daunting. Right. Uh, whereas if you've done it several times and you, you develop a process, uh, it can be pretty straightforward. Uh, so our approach is basically to have our banks complete the paperwork up front and then we handle the rest. Uh, and our adoption rate shows how effective you know that approach can be.
0: You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're talking with Matt Heron, CSI's product manager of payment analytics, about the effects of tokenization and the Internet of Things on the future of payments.
1: Turning back to IoT Can you explain for us, Matt, in layman's terms, how a payment through an IoT device works? Say I drive up to a gas station, pump my gas, and I want to pay with my car. How does that process work?
2: The transmission mechanism uh, can vary. Uh, oftentimes it's NFC, so contactless. Uh, it can also be a traditional card-not-present credential in which information is exchanged via the Internet. So that would be uh, like on an Echo device or a Google Home device. Um, there's multitudes of, of transmission mechanisms that, that can be done. Uh, in, the, in, in the example you gave at a gas station, the transmission mechanism is probably going to be NFC. Um, we've seen gas stations use uh, mobile wallets um, as well that have card information stored uh, and then uh, transmitted via, you know, based on a geolocation proximity to a certain pump. You verify what pump you're, you're currently standing at uh, and authenticate yourself. Uh, that way. So there's there's lots of ways to do this uh, from an IoT perspective. Uh, the key from a tokenization perspective is making sure that the the merchant uh, or the entity that, that you're paying uh, is not getting a static 16-digit number, right. the, the static 16 digits, the expiration in CVV2. Um, the, the problem with, with doing that, and, and essentially is if, if, if I transmit that information to that merchant, uh, however I, I do it uh, via NFC antenna or low-energy Bluetooth or traditional e-commerce, uh, it's, it's incumbent upon you know, everyone involved to, to make that information as secure as possible. Unfortunately, uh, we've seen time and again things happen. You know, whether it be uh, a merchant breach, uh, some sort of skimming device, uh, you know, some sort of, of mal- malware that's intercepting data um, and, and- As that information is transmitted, it's intercepted. So if it can be used again, that same static data can be used again to make purchases elsewhere, uh, ultimately we found that time and again it will be. Uh, And so the goal with all of this is not so much about the mechanism of transmission, um, but taking the data that is being transmitted however uh, you know, across whatever channel is is best suited for uh, the payment and basically making it not only encrypted like EMV, uh, but also dynamic in the sense that it is, it is bound uh, to a specific device uh, or bound to a specific merchant.
0: So, and, and to your previous point, um, according to research from Gartner, they say that there is going to be over 20 billion IoT devices in place by 2020. Do you think the convenience of uh, what payments and, and the uh, the infrastructure will look like on IoT, does, that, does the convenience outweigh the risk? Because as you say, it's, it's almost inevitable that, that things are going to happen,
2: right? Absolutely. I think this is going to be something that we as a society move towards, whether we do this in a secure fashion or not. Right. Uh, it then becomes critical for the key players, uh, from a financial perspective to make sure that if, if this is where the world is heading, uh, how do we do this? How do we facilitate normal commerce? How do we facilitate these activities in a secure manner? Um, because frankly, customers are, and, you know, individuals that, that may not be as secure, concerned about security. Uh, want this? They want to to push society forward and, and progress and, and do all of this cool tinkering that that these devices can uh, facilitate. Um, so then it becomes incumbent upon industry experts to make sure that you know we we facilitate this in a secure possible, you know in a secure manner. Tokenization can be leveraged to do that.
1: We talked earlier about how banks can implement tokenization. Is there another layer or further steps to then take it to the IoT device for banks? Is there another part of the implementation process?
2: It's really incumbent upon financial institutions uh, to start off with having a token vault set up at the network level. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then beyond that, it will be mostly about... Uh, what those various entities will be able to support. So if they want to support traditional card payments, uh, the marketplace has really started moving away from kind of direct bilateral arrangements. You know, I as entity of a digital or I as an offer of a digital wallet uh, will contract not only with Visa and MasterCard and other networks, uh, but also with you as a direct financial institution. Uh, that seems to be shifting away. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, we're we're moving towards more of a space where uh, you create this boilerplate language. Uh, Everyone agrees to play by these rules, and as long as everyone agrees to play by these rules, everyone can play in this space. And so uh, the the arrangement will be directly between the issuers and the network and the merchants uh, or you know acceptors of of tokenized payments uh, will also and digital wallet offerings will also agree uh to the same terms and have a direct relationship with the network so we're we're kind of seeing the networks in the card space become sort of the the mediators of this uh they're the facilitators of all of this um and so they're setting the standards they're you know, writing up the terms that the issuers uh, agree to, uh, but then also the digital wallet and merchants that that leverage uh, the tokens uh, agree to as well. So there's no need necessarily for a direct bilateral. Uh, and that's if we want this to take off and we want this to, to bridge out to the thousands of, of merchants and vendors that exist out there, that's the kind of world we're going to need. We're going to need uh, less one-to-one relationships with everyone involved, because that can get very cumbersome very quickly uh, and will ultimately just slow down this entire process. Uh, we, we basically want to create a sandbox that everyone agrees to play by a certain set of rules. And as long as you agree to play by those rules, you can play in the sandbox.
0: Speaking of playing in the sandbox, from the customer perspective, how do you think the advent of IoT impacts the relationship between a customer and his or her financial institution?
2: Well, so there's tons of, of applications to this. So from customer support to, to commerce, uh, cars, for example, are almost certainly the next frontier as a payments mechanisms. So parking, gas pumps, highway tolls, fast food, carry out. Uh, I think the applications there are pretty apparent. Um, with financial institutions, it, it then becomes you know something about even natural language machine learning protocols and how they're reshaping the way individuals interact with organizations. Uh, so Google Duplex was recently announced. Um, it showed a, a ton of potential for machine learning-based systems to interact with humans in a seemingly natural way. Uh, things like Apple Business Chat are also something that I think will reshape commerce. Um, the ability to basically have a conversation in iMessage to set appointments, ask general questions, uh, even Buy products or services is something that I think is definitely going to, there's going to be more of uh, in coming years. In certain segments like the community banking area, uh, it becomes about embracing aspects of this while maintaining your service oriented culture. Uh, I think a community bank should be all in on tokenization and the improved customer experiences that it can facilitate. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily rem- mean removing people from the equation. Uh, Automation is great, ex- except when it isn't. Uh, people okay. still like feeling as though they have a connection to an organization. Yes. Uh, so chatbots and things like that. Uh, while they're not going to give the customer, you know, the, you don't want to give your customer the feeling of they're being disintermediated from your bank. Uh, bigger institutions, they basically have to do this stuff. Uh, their size and scale essentially demand it. Um, but at the community level, I think the focus is still on experience. Uh, and so that while that often means better technology, uh, in some ways it means using technology to improve efficiency in other ways so that the people have more time to do what they're best at. Uh, So it's more of a hybrid ecosystem.
0: Well, Matt, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and uh, educate us about IoT and tokenization. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back after this. Technology, integration, experience. All three play an integral role in your bank's ability to meet customer expectations. At CSI Customer Experience 2018, We'll examine the many ways in which these aspects of fintech and regtech drive your bank forward. Join us September 11th through the 13th for informative breakout sessions on everything from P2P payments to cybersecurity, as well as engaging keynote presentations, and the opportunity to network with hundreds of your peers. Save your spot for CX-18 today at csiconf.com. That's c s i c o n dot com. We'll see you in Dallas. And that's it for this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Thanks again to Matt Heron for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you'd like to learn more from Matt, Register now for our customer conference at CSICONF.com to hear him speak on emerging trends in card payments. Matt always comes to the conference with great info.
1: And remember, you can subscribe to FinTech Focus wherever you listen to podcasts. If that place happens to be Apple Podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. Write a review and let us know what you think. For previous episodes of FinTech Focus and to learn more about CSI, head over to CSIweb.com. We'll see you next time.